Man, it is so good to see everyone, South Campus, North Campus, our online family. I'm telling you, we exist as a church. We gather. We do all that we do for one simple reason. We want to help encourage each other to take our next life-giving step with Jesus so that we can bless our neighbors. And whether that is our neighbor here in the big country or our neighbors around the world, we want to help people experience as many days as possible of having the same hope in Jesus Christ that you and I have. The average American is going to live 28,500 days. And we want as many of those days as possible to be full of life, to be full of hope, to be full of joy. 28,500 days. How many of those do you remember? Some of you thinking not near enough. Now please hear me. I understand we don't remember every day of our existence. It is an impossibility. It doesn't mean that day is insignificant. It doesn't mean that God's not using it in tremendous ways. It's just that our brains don't have the capacity. We don't have the space to remember all the details of life in every way. But there are some days that stick out to you. Some days that you'll never forget. March 16, 2021 is one of those days in our family. I had just returned that afternoon from a, a, a hunting trip that I was blessed to be a part of. And I got home and my wife informed me I was taking her out to eat. So I did. And when we had finished dinner, dinner we were driving home and my son called. So I answered it on the um, um, car phone, truck phone. And over the speaker, my son was real quick. Say, Dad, um, there's been an accident. We're at the hospital. Liam is hurt. Um, he has been run over by a vehicle. So we rushed to Hendrick South and learned in the first hour it was really serious. And the wonderful team at the ER, and I've I just got to pause right here. Our medical community has served above and beyond for over two years. They need a shout out. They need a praise. Thank you, men and women, for all that you have done and are doing. The wonderful team at the ER were doing all they can, but they weren't sure of what the outcome was going to be with my grandson. So a few hours later, they airlifted my almost three-year-old grandson to Cook's in Fort Worth. My daughter by marriage, my bonus daughter, um, rode with her son, and I drove my son to Fort Worth to be with his family. And we arrived about 1 a.m. on Wednesday, March the 17th, and after I dropped him off at that 1 a.m. time period, I found myself alone in a nearby hotel room because I, I couldn't go be with him. Because COVID restrictions and all the things that are necessary at hospitals at these times, it just kept me from being present with them. Now, I, I will confess that telling this story is a, a lot easier because God chose to work a miracle in the life of my grandson. Four days after we took him on Saturday, I actually had the privilege of driving my son, my grandson, and my daughter home. My grandson had um, multiple fractures in his pelvis and his skull. He had several concussions. Uh, he had one or two fractures in his shoulder, but from the moment we were to take him home, he showed no signs of pain. I mean, I, I'm telling you, when we took him out to the truck to put him in the car seat, I'm like, how in the world are we going to move this kid to the car seat? And I asked my son, okay, so what are we going to do and keep this kid no pain? He said, we're going to pick him up. I said, what do you mean we're going to pick him up? We're going to pick him up. They showed us how, and we picked him up, and he was just all smiles and no crying and nothing. I'm telling you, there was no procedure. There was no surgery. There was nothing. 
His local pediatrician, who I'm blessed to call a friend, said he tracked him uh, online and was able to watch. And he told me um, the Sunday after the accident, he said, David, the miracle was in what didn't happen. So when you have such a traumatic accident like this, there are certain things that are just supposed to happen, and those things didn't happen. See, hear me. I want to testify to you that the God who did still does. It was the mercy of God, and it's mercy I'm so thankful for. But I also have to confess to you, I still struggle with feeling guilty. I feel guilty that my family got a miracle. And a lot of families that have prayed for that similar miracle haven't received that miracle. You know, every funeral I do is when God has chosen not to work the miracle we've asked him to do. I I get that tension. I want you to know that. I get it, and even as we share about the power of God, we, we live in this tension of seeing God work today, and he's working in increasingly powerful ways, but he does not always work in the way we want him to. That, that tension is not just our tension. It existed in the Scripture. If you go to the 12th chapter of Acts, which you don't have to do today, just read it sometime. It starts, first three verses, a guy named James, one of the apostles, like in James and John, one of the sons of thunder. He is put to death um, because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And then the rest of the chapter, verse after verse after verse, talks about Peter who was then thrown into prison because people were so excited about James being put to death. But Peter is miraculously released while James was being put to death. Guys, I've been on the receiving end of miracles. And I've been on the side where God has chosen to say no in this moment and and do something else. And it's interesting. In both the yes and the no's, I have struggled. I have struggled in my mind to walk in the truth of God. What I'll never forget is the first 24 to 48 hours um, of that journey when the outcome seemed bad. I, I was in that hotel room all by myself. And I wanted to sleep, but I I couldn't sleep. It was elusive. And and I I didn't know what to do. So all I could do was cry and pray in tongues. Now, I know that phrase, praying tongues, weirds some of you out. Uh, I get it. Um, Just know if the Lord wills in my plans in 2022, we will talk about spiritual gifts and things like that. But I know there's a lot of wonderful deeply devoted Jesus followers who don't believe gifts like tongues and prophecies exist today. I get that. I bless you. I just want you to know I do. And I am so glad I had that gift um, that night because what I would do is I'd lay in bed and I would cry and I would pray in tongues and then I would just have the word peace come out. Peace. Peace. And I would pray some more and I would cry a whole lot more and I'd say, God, we need the shalom of heaven to fall. And I I knew that word shalom in the scripture is more than what we mean by peace. We usually mean absence of difficulty or absence of conflict. But the word shalom in the ancient language actually means wholeness, wholeness of body, soul, and spirit. It is the reality of heaven becoming more and more on earth and seen. And what I did is I just kept that up. That's all I knew to do is I kept that up for I don't know how long. It wasn't hours and hours, but it was for a time. And then the peace of God came. And I was actually able to say, God, if Liam dies, you are good. And your grace will be sufficient for me and my family through this. But that is not what I asked for. I asked for the shalom of heaven to invade that room and that there would be a wholeness Not just a calm in my kids, but a wholeness in my grandson's body in Jesus' name. But no matter what you do, I declare your goodness over this situation. And I slept. 
for like two hours. And I woke up, and I'd like to tell you I was just so full of faith and confidence, but I wasn't. The battle started all over again. The battle hit my mind as intense as it was the night before, and again I had to battle. Again I had to war. And it hit me this week as I was looking at the text that we're going to explore for a few minutes that in some ways those first 24 to 48 hours are a microcosm of the way we have to live our lives. You see, every day in this life we have a war. We have a battle that we're fighting for peace, for wholeness, for health in our minds. And when you're in a war, there are times when the battle gets to be more intense, right? There is just, it is stronger, and you really have to go after it. It's more intense than other times. I don't know that I've experienced any battle any more intense than those first 48 hours of my grandson's accident. But you know what I did during those 48 hours? Listen to me. I did what had become normative in my life over 37 years of following Jesus. I, I did it more intensely, but there was nothing new. God in his grace had planted some habits in my life that were normative to my existence, and I dove into those in an intense way. You see, the scripture says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Somebody shout practice. Practice these things, and then what? The God of peace will be with you. You know what that word practice means? It doesn't mean do it occasionally. It doesn't mean every so often. It means frequent, habitual, all the time, frequent, even daily. Listen to me. There will be days in your existence when the battle intensifies. I don't have to be a prophet to say that. I'm just a man who studies the scripture. There's going to be moments where the war seems to be overwhelming. And if you wait until that day to try to get what you need, if you wait to that day to try to get what we should have been practicing, it would be too late. What we do is we practice these things in our day-to-day -day life. And when the moment of intensity rises, these things well up inside of us as a source of strength. You see, practicing spiritual habits is what brings peace to our mind, which is what we do not want to hear this morning, right? See, what we want as Americans is we want a quick fix. We want a prayer, we want a pill, and we want to take care of it. Or we want to get a little bit radical and say, okay, I am going to go through a series called Flip the Script in six weeks, six sermons and maybe reading a book and such. Everything will be resolved. That is not the case. There's got to become a new norm in our life. You see, there's a definition of foolishness we like to throw around in our society. It's actually a good one. They say a fool is someone who keeps doing the same things in the same way and we expect to get different results. What God is telling us is some things have to shift in our regular life. We have to practice some things. There are spiritual habits that have to become a part of who we are. And I don't want you to just hear it from me. I want you to see it in Scripture. So I want you to get your Bible and I want you to turn to the fourth chapter of Paul's letters to the church at Philippi. Philippians chapter 4. I always want you to get a Bible. I want you to see it because I want you to press into the text later. Now if you're in our physical campuses, north or south, you say, I didn't have a Bible with me. Look underneath the chair in front of you or the chair, your chair and the risers and there are black colored Bibles. We're on page 982. We would love for you to use that Bible. If you don't have a Bible, it's yours. Take it with you. 
If you're online, part of our online campus, by the way, the best way to engage Beltway online is through beltway.org, our online campus. There's a Bible icon you can turn to there. Facebook, YouTube, you can push pause, get your Bible, come back, or you can just go to beltway.org and engage that way. But I want you to see part of the text because what I dare you to do is to really dive in to this passage in the weeks to come. What I've done in Flip the Script is I've picked six passages that have helped me as much as anything in my battle and my journey for mental health. They're um, passages that still are, are bringing um, help and resolve into my mind and into my heart. And each week what I do is I tell you this passage is a game changer. Please listen to me, that's not pastoral exaggeration. I am confident that every one of these passages has the power, if we get them inside of us and begin to actually practice these things, to really change the game. In this passage, Paul lays out some of the basic spiritual habits that we need in our lives if we want the peace of God that transcends understanding. He says in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord when? Always. And just in case you miss it, he says, I'll say it again, rejoice the practice of praise brings peace. I believe one of the gravest mistakes we make in Western Christendom is to minimize the power of song. Listen to me. There is something about song that gets deep within our mind and spirit like nothing else. So in my teenage years, before I understood the power of music, I listened to all kinds of music, but the main thing I listened to was in the genre of rock and roll. 70s rock, 80s kind of rock. Now, I don't listen to that much anymore, but the gyms where I work out, I guess because there's a bunch of old dudes there, they'll often play 70s and 80s rock. And it's amazing to me, songs that I haven't listened to in a long time, I can hear the first riffs of those songs. And I know exactly what they say. And I don't want to know what they say. I can still sing the lyrics of Highway to Hell, and I want them erased from my being. That's how powerful song is. We minimize that. The scripture we talked about a couple weeks ago in talking about declaration says the tongue, what we say has the power of life and death. Those who love it, those who use it well will eat its fruit. See, words have power. You add music to those words and you have multiplied the power of words. But this is not necessarily a negative. If we choose to use it right, it can be a tool of life. That is why, listen to me, Christianity is a singing faith. Some of you have wondered, why do they do so many songs at church? Because music with words have power. Almost every tradition of church that has ever existed has sung. You can go back in church history. You can go back into the New Testament church. You can go back into the Jewish faith of the Old Testament. They sang songs. There are over 400 references to singing in the Bible. There are over 50 direct commands. Listen to me. Not suggestions, commands to sing songs. And if you add to those commands to sing, the generalized commands to give praise to God, like when the scripture says, hallelujah, you know what it means? Hallelujah is an ancient word that means give praise to Yah, give praise to Yahweh. It's actually a command to give praise. If you take words like hallelujah, commands to rejoice, and you infer into those commands the idea of singing, which I think the scripture gives us permission to do, you've got multiple 50 commands to sing in scripture. Why? Remember, in our Flip the Script journey, we've talked about the power of declaration. Taking scriptures, personally applying them in our lives, and making our minds line up with scripture. So Colossians 3 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Is that not what a declaration is doing? 
We're trying to get the word of Christ and have it dig a trench of truth inside of our brain. And so we teach one another, we speak to one another in all wisdom these truths, but we also what? Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. You see, when we sing songs, what we're doing is we're letting the word of Christ dwell in our minds. As we practice this, don't just go through the motions. As we engage, what we find is a trench of truth being dug in our mind. Listen to me. I get the struggle. When I first came into things of faith, I despised the singing part. I didn't like it in the least. By the way, most men struggle with the singing part. I, I get that. Add to that the church that God used to bring me to a place of faith in Jesus Christ was a church that didn't believe you should use instruments in the worship services. They only use their voices. They say, our voice is our instrument to God, which is awesome if you sing well. I did not. Psalm 95 commands us, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise. That's me right there. How many of that's you? Don't raise your hand. You get it. I have trouble consistently hitting notes. I can't stay on pitch. I can't follow melodies. Put a gun to my head. I could not sing a harmony if my life depended on it. Add to that, I have no rhythm. That's where I stand. Guys, I could never even watch American Idol. It's not that it's a bad show. It's that there's always that person on there that tries out that sings really bad. And even I know they sing bad, but they don't know they're bad. And I, I was embarrassed for them. And I was embarrassed for their lack of, of self-awareness. And all I could think was, these people need better friends. Somebody needs to tell them the truth. But you know what I discovered early on in my faith journey? I don't sing well, at least by standards of this world. But I need to sing. I need to praise. I need to rejoice in the Lord always. Why? Practicing spiritual habits brings peace to our minds. So I'll be really honest with you. I made myself sing. I just started doing it. Now, I'll be honest with you. When we moved to a church that had instruments, oh, I was giving thanks be to God for instruments, man. <laughs> instruments are a gift of God for those of us who do not sing well to help us be able to rejoice in the Lord. You guys know what I'm saying. I am telling you this, the more I did it, the easier it becomes. I remember the first time I was in a church service, I was going to get right because the scripture commands us to raise our hands. And I actually get how often our soul and our spirit follows bodily action. So I've gotten that in my mind. I can remember it was such a big deal. It's like, I need to raise my hands, but I don't want to raise my hand. It's so conspicuous. It's so weird and all that. And I remember raising my hands. And I did it. And I thought everybody in the room was looking at me. And so I peeked. And I looked around and no one was looking at me. And I remember feeling something inside like the Spirit of God saying, you're not as important as you think you are, big boy. <laughs> and things that were hard to do at first have now just become practice, have become habitual, and help bring peace. And the day that a tense battle happened in my life, I didn't know what my grandson was going to make it through the day. You know what I did? sang songs of praise. I knew the story behind Raise a Hallelujah. And I sang it a lot those first 24 hours. 
I have these cool little earbuds. I put them in. I got my phone. I put it on again and again. There was a park nearby the hotel where I was, and I just started walking. I started singing as loud as I could. I didn't give a rat's hind in who was around and heard me. I was bawling. I was on my knees. I was sitting. I'm sure people were calling the cops on me. Hey, mental health issue right here. I, get, I did not care. But it wasn't just that song I sang. I had hymns come back that I hadn't thought of in decades. I had songs of praise from the 80s and the 90s that God was bringing back to my mind that were using to call me to a place of faith, bringing me to this place of peace. See, you want a strong mind? You want to be healthy in your mind? you got to practice spiritual habits. Rejoice in the Lord when? Always is a part of our lives. But let's keep reading. Verse 5. Let your reasonableness, some of your translations will say gentleness, be known to everyone. The Lord is near or at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You see, the practice of prayer brings peace. And immediately everybody felt guilty. Because we hear the word prayer, and our natural thing is, I should pray more. And the answer is probably. How about we move away from the place of, prayer, uh, of guilt, and let's just move in taking a step towards actually doing it. See, I think one of the greatest hindrances to us being a people who actually pray is fear that I must do it a certain way, and I don't know how to do it. I haven't unlocked the code yet. You know, we feel like there's a certain opening you have to have, a certain way you have to address God. Almighty Father, gracious God. Maybe some Hebrew word that you don't know what it means or something like that. You're not sure you have the right one for the right time. And then you have to say words in a certain order in a certain ways and they're spiritual words. And some of us grew up with the these and the thous and the this and we spit on ourselves and we wonder if that's what we're supposed to do. And then you have to get the right voice. I don't know why people think you have to get a different voice to talk to God as if he doesn't understand the other voice, but we get a prayer voice and things like that. We fear there's a formula and we think, I don't know the, f the formula. Hear me, that's a lie of the enemy. The scripture says when we start to follow Jesus, you do not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to what? Fear. But you receive the spirit of adoption. And by that spirit we cry, Abba, Father. That word Abba, the old language, it's what a small child calls their father. Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. I have three children Two bonus children by marriage and four grandkids. Each one of them comes to me differently. Each one of them talks to me differently. I don't care. I just love that they come and they talk to me most of the time. Sometimes they're just annoying, but that's just me. I'm kind of a grump, but you hear what I'm saying? God is greater than that. There is no perfect way to pray. Let me take that back. There is a perfect way to pray. You go to God. It's all the Father wants. There's no formula, there's no white ray. Just come like a child where we're going to expand upon next week. Because I'm telling you, if we live like a child, we have health in our brains. See, here's reality. Your anxieties are going to talk to you. Your fears are going to talk to you. The uncertainties of life are going to talk to you. Don't talk back to those. Take what's being said by anxiety, fear, and uncertainty and take that to God. Talk to him. Talk to him regularly. The scripture actually says pray without ceasing. So that means you can do it all day long. It doesn't mean it has to be one constant prayer. Just all the time, including God in your regular life. And you will find the peace of God guarding your heart and your mind. Practicing spiritual habits brings peace. Verse 8. 
will be the most challenging verse probably for Americans that exist. Finally, brothers, and just in case you're a lady and you think, good, this doesn't apply to me, that's just an ancient way of saying all of you. If you're a follower of Jesus, finally, men and women of God, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these kinds of things. The practice of chosen focus brings peace. Way back in 1957, a syndicated news article went around the nation and it made the nation uh, familiar with an acronym created by the United States Army. Shocking that the military made an acronym, huh? You will not recognize the acronym, but I promise you'll recognize what the acronym stands for. Ready? The acronym is GIGO. You got it? G-I-G-O. Got it figured out? I'm not sending any of y'all to Wheel of Fortune. Anyway, G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. You got it. And just in case you're one of those Americans that I'm really surprised by this, but we Amer- some Americans are really enamored with everything British right now. The British actually have their own acronym. It's RERO. Sounds like rerun on, so anyway, rero, rubbish in, rubbish out. Matters not which one. See, we, mo- we know originally that it was designed for computer programming, but it had been applied to a lot of things, probably rightfully, over the decades. Garbage in, garbage out is nowhere any truer than your mind. Garbage in, garbage out. Many of us are struggling with our mental health for this reason. We're filling our mind with crap. I know, you're looking at me like, you just said what? Yeah, he did say what he just said. That's right. That's actually the nicest word I could think of. (laughs) And I know some of you are wrestling right now and said, I can't believe you said that. I understand if you need to lodge a complaint, you can do so. Send your email to jeffreyturner at (laughs) beltway.org. He has been delegated all responsibility for that. If our days are full of 24-hour news, social media, talk radio, entertainment that comes primarily from an anti-God Hollywood, negative comments by acquaintances and supposed friends who do not have the hope of Jesus Christ, and it keeps coming, it keeps coming, it keeps coming, we keep feeding it, we keep feeding it, we keep feeding it, and then we find our minds struggling, should we be shocked? Garbage in, garbage out. Papa Don Fento. Many of you recognize Don's name because he's been a spiritual father for our church for 23 years. Um, He's actually going to be here in a few weeks, so you need to be here, okay? Because Don is 92, I believe now, full of vigor and life of the Holy Spirit. We all want to grow old like Papa Don. We want to grow in our faith like him. But I remember years ago he told me that in his era of music, not 80s rock, but actually 50s, he came to um, Abilene Christian College as a 16-year-old in 1950. In his era of music, he said, the lyrics became nonsensical. They didn't matter. Who put the bump in the bump, shabump, shabump? <laughs> and so you didn't listen to the lyrics. It was just fun music. 
And so you did that. You even watched old school American bandstand. They would evaluate a new song. It's got a good beat. We can dance to it, Dick. I give it a nine. But the problem is the lyrics changed in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, and they started saying something, but we still didn't listen to it. And so we were passive in our brain, taking all this stuff in. I could start naming the rock songs. I remember telling a friend one time, they said, hey, let's use the old song, Walk This Way, and we'll do this as a basketball run-in for our boys. And I said, that's great, except Walk This Way is about learning to have sex from your cousin. And he goes, no, it's not. And I said, go look at the words. He came back and said, oh, my goodness, I never knew because we just don't listen to it and we're feeding our minds with that stuff. And I know some of you are thinking, well, David, what in the world do we do? You listen to the Holy Spirit. I, I can't tell you what to engage in and not engage in because I can't tell you, I can't start making rules that TV is wrong or movies with this certain rating are wrong and this kind of language is wrong or anything like that. The, the, script, the scripture doesn't do that. I can't tell you Christianity doesn't allow you to watch CNN some of you are thinking, yeah, it does. Well, that's Fox News, too, so just throw it all in there, okay? I'm not saying you can't listen to anything but Christian music. I'm not saying that you can't watch entertainment that's not created by Christians or anything like that. I'm just saying, if you want the peace of God to be with you, there's certain things you have to practice. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever's pure and righteous and just and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy, make sure that you're thinking on these things a lot in your life so that we have peace. You see, garbage in, garbage out is true. But so is the inverse. Start putting truth in your brain, guess what you get out? Truth. Put what is honorable in your brain, guess what you get out? What's honorable? Put what's just in, just out. Put what's pure in, pure out. See, practicing chosen focus brings peace. You say, what in the world do I do? Just take some of that time, lessen some of the stuff we're doing, and add some positive habits into our lives. There's this thing called scripture, and you can actually memorize it. Because the day of intense battle will come. And what you have in you will start coming out of you. I can't tell you how many scriptures came to my mind. It's a battle for my grandson in faith. I just quote them. Just let them flow. To be honest with you, most of them I didn't know perfectly. I figured God was okay with that. And I would just say, oh, memorize those scriptures. You can take quiet walks and just meditate on creation because there's so much you can see of God in creation. Creation is amazing. Have you ever just looked at a tree? I mean, I know they're hard to find in Abilene, but we have them. And the way they grow and the way their roots go down and do certain things. And then you have the rings that grow and then you have these leaves. And the leaves have the ability of photosynthesis. Remember that word from seventh grade science? And they can take the sunlight and they can translate it into nutrition that they need to be alive. And yet they also release this wonderful thing called oxygen. And there's this whole cycle of things that's happening and everything's interwoven together in an amazing way like there was a designer and a creator who is glorious and who is wonderful in life. Meditate on those things. Listen for the promptings of the Spirit. Sing songs of praise. 
while you walk. Let those words get inside of you. Meditate on the things God has done in days gone by. Have friendships where you have life-giving conversations where you talk about the things God's doing. You talk about positive things. You talk about true things. You talk about honorable things. You talk about noble things. There's these things out called books. You've been reading one. Some of you say, well, not really. You can catch up with it. And you're discovering, hey, I can spend some time doing things like this. You could get some friends and you could talk about the books that you're reading that are positive and life-giving. There are podcasts, there are blogs that encourage you and build you up. I am just telling you, in the midst of all that is vying for our focus, we must feed our mind with some things that are true, lovely, honorable, just, pure, commendable, and excellent. And when those things begin to happen, the peace of God begins to cover our hearts and our minds. What you have learned and heard and seen and received from me, Paul says, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. You know, one of the um, gifts of this COVID pandemic is that some of us have discovered we're not nearly as ready for the days of intense battles we thought we were. Listen to me, it's okay to discover you're not okay. But it's not okay to stay not okay. And what some of us have wanted is this prayer or pill that is gonna take care of the battle for mental health. And what you're discovering is there's a war to be fought and I've gotta fight that war in a different way and I've gotta do some things differently. But let's not shrink back from that. God is telling us there's a way that we can walk in a strength of mind and a strength of wholeness. And we can carry that strength into others. We can be a people of hope to the world. But we have to do some things differently. And I believe this morning is a day of breakthrough. I believe God wants to do a work in these next few moments. I am not going to tell you that the work that he does means that we're never going to have to battle in the days to come. But what I am going to tell you, he's going to move us forward so we're more ready. And we're more capable and we're stronger to be able to battle when the intensity of the battle rises. See, I believe God wants to do a breakthrough in these area of habits because some of us have been stuck. Some of us are addicted to the stuff, the stimuli of this world. Make no mistake, the marketers of this world are genius and they're trying to get us addicted. Do you know there's a reason the news makes you angry? Anger will addict you creates a rut in your brain. You know why porn works? It's addicting. Social media? Addicting. I'm not saying you're addicted. I'm just saying some of us know that there's some things that need to change. There's some things that need to lessen. We need to take a step. We've got time. Don't tell me we don't have time. We have 24 hours in the day. We have time for everything that's important. Let's ask the Lord to show us. I can't tell you what to do. Can I tell you to quit watching social media? I can't. I can't with integrity tell you it's all bad. I'm not going to make rules where the scripture makes no rules. But parents, I am going to tell you this. Study after study shows that social media is harming the minds of your kids. So parents, we need to step in and we need to watch what our kids are being a part of for the sake of the health of their minds. You say, well, they don't like that. I know. But we're called to be parents, not friends. We're called to stand for them in love. I'm not telling you how to do that. I'm telling you we've got to step in. Again and again, there's just so many things. I think the Spirit of God's going to show us, but we've got to be willing to partner.
And so this is what we're going to do in the next few moments. This is going to be quick. You've got to be bold. I'm going to ask you something we don't normally do. If you want to break through in an area of the spiritual habits, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to ask you to stand. And without hesitation, I want you to stand up and I want you to lay hold of it. And then I'm going to pray and I believe, I believe God's going to help us have a breakthrough. That we're going to have more courage, more power, more ability to walk in these areas. So some of us know that there's some things that we're feeding our minds. And there's like, there, there, there may not be to a level of addiction, but, but they may be close. So I don't know if it's news, it's social media. It may be things that we can't, it may be entertainment. This thing called binge watching means we're just hours and hours of it. Hours and hours. It may be some of the music we're listening to, and we need less of that. Some of us are going to be called to fast and things. I remember the Lord called me one year to fast TV, which really wasn't that big a deal, except he had, he had me do it in March. I was like, God, oh, come on, dude. It's March Madness, man. Can we not do it in like the first of May? That's like the opening of baseball season. Nobody watches those games anyway. It was good for me. Really good. It actually broke something in me that I needed to break it. You may mean to say, you just got to listen to the Spirit. So you ready? So if you say this, what I'm feeding my brain has to change. So it's a twofold thing. I need less of some of the stuff. I don't know what your stuff is. I need less of TV and news and social media and negative friendship conversations and da-da-da-da-da. I need less of that. And I need more of what is true and righteous and lovely and noble and this. And I need a breakthrough in what's holding me back and changing my life patterns to do that. But I'm asking God for that breakthrough. That's you. Stand to your feet right now. Stay standing. Come on. Do it boldly. Don't stand if you don't mean it. But if you mean it, you stand. Okay, second group. You have trouble giving praise to God. You know what I'm saying. You show up to church late. That's when they sing the songs. I'm getting personal today, aren't I? On our own, we wrestle. It's interesting how well we can sing to country music, but we can't sing our songs of praise. But you know there needs to be a breakthrough, and you need to take a stand. So if you need a breakthrough so that you can be a man or a woman of praise, I want you to stand where you are right now without hesitation. Come on, stand up. And if you're already standing, just throw your hand up and say, I want that one too. Okay? You don't have to keep your hand up the whole time, but stand up. Number three, you need a breakthrough in place of prayer. You need the Lord to do something that's keeping you. are just being held back from prayer, almost as if demonic forces of hell are trying to keep you back. And you say, I want to see a breakthrough, and I want to be a man, a woman who comes to God as a child, and I want to pray. I want to pray without ceasing. I want that to be a normative part of my life. You need that breakthrough stand where you are right now. And you can raise your hand if you're already standing. Okay, last thing. If the Spirit of God stirred you to stand and you have not stood already, stand up right now, okay? Because that's going to be where some of us are. I get it. You got it? Okay, so here's what I want you to do. If you're with people standing beside you, I want you to put your hand on their shoulders. I want us to pray for each other. If you're sitting, that's great. Some of you are doing great in this area. God bless you guys. You extend your hands and send the favor of God that's on you onto them as well. And let's ask for the Lord to do a breakthrough today. Father, we have seen you do great works in days gone by. We have seen you do great works in our lives today. 
We've heard testimony of two miracles just today of what you have done. We know you are still working today. Now we ask, Abba, that you would do a work in our lives and there would be breakthrough. There are things that are holding us back. We are stuck. We are stuck in some of the things that we're feeding our minds. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would break those things and that we would feed our minds with that which is lovely and pure and good and righteous and just and break off anything that would hinder us from doing that. I pray, Father, anything's keeping us from giving you the praise you deserve. You said the praises of our mouth would be like a two-edged sword. I ask, Father, that would become norm, more and more normative of our lives, that we would be those that without hesitation declare your praises with our words and with our songs, and that our lives would be honored to you. Break off anything that would hinder us from doing that, any false thought, any false idea, any, even any sense, Father, of us just being concerned about how we look. We want it to be about how you look. And I pray, Father, that we would be men and women who pray, not legalistically, not out of obligation, just the pure honor that we can come before you, the God of the universe, as your child, that the spirit of adoption would be able to permeate us and we would just live as children and we would walk in the peace that comes from being your child that just cast all our cares upon you because you care for us. Breakthrough this day, I declare in Jesus' name, amen.